Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Welcome to Take Fountain, a podcast of passionate people working on their dreams. Compelling stories from Hollywood. Your host, Ella James. This picture on my iPhone. Oh my God. What is the picture on your iPhone? Show my me. friends and I at Joshua Tree. Oh, wow. We call our, co- our album cover. That is fantastic. <laughs> it need, that needs a soundtrack. It was a good time. Make it happen. What's it your title? Time. Casting associate? Casting coordinator. Coordinator. So at the studio, it's a little bit different. So at, like, if you're in freelance casting, you go assistant, associate, casting director. If you're at a studio, it goes casting assistant, coordinator, manager, director, VP, EVP, or SVP, EVP. President. But I I don't think there's ever going to be a president of casting. So you're telling me that there's a long way to go? There's a long way to go, For all of us. Yeah. um, So let's get straight into this. Um, So... So my guest is the Holy Grail. My guest today is Amanda Richards because you've got to know that casting directors are, are the gods of the industry, which is, we'll talk about this because it's such a strange thing that everybody wants to get in front of a casting director and I think we almost forget the humanity of it. Do you know what I mean? You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Amanda Richards, my guest, um, the Droyan at Sony, um, uh, working in casting but this was not your was casting always what you wanted to do not i think when i was a kid i didn't even know what casting was i didn't realize that was an actual occupation but i did start as an actress since i was very very young i started in musical theater went to performing arts high school um went to performing arts college i went to emerson college and studied musical theater and then about halfway through i realized that I love the craft and the art of it, and I love performing, but I also love the business of it, and I was always kind of obsessed with what they were thinking behind the table. Like, if I wanted to know what they were thinking, even if it was bad. I just wanted to know what was going on. I didn't like the idea of having no concept of what, of where I stood or what people thought about me. And so I thought, how do I incorporate my love of acting and business and kind of, like, make it into one? And then someone explained to me what a casting director was, and I was like, that's it, done. And that's when I started interning and learning about casting. Okay. It was perfect. Let's go back to musical theater. What was your favorite role? I mean, I loved playing Sandy in Greece, but my dream, I would love to play Dot in Sunday in the Park with George. That's like my favorite musical of yeah. all time. I also love Les Mis, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Yeah. I love Les Mis. I don't care. Um, a friend of mine, Hayden T's just been playing Javert around oh my gosh. Um, New York, then London, then Goodness knows what. I think it's some of the most beautiful music I've ever yeah, heard in my life. It's just so moving. It, it really is. Yeah. And it's funny, though, I'm like blonde hair, blue eyed, so I would probably be cast as Cosette, but I've always wanted to play Eponine, which will probably never happen. But, oh, but there's a wig. That's there's Exactly. A wig for that. That's what my mom would say. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't think that we can. There are certain things that you can't get over, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to be 20 again mm-hmm. in my dreams. <laughs> um, 
Um, but with a wig, I can be blonde, and I am blonde. I just I went dark for artificial intelligence. Mm, got it. <laughs> um, I'm not a slim person, and I won't ever be a slim person. That isn't going to change. <laughs> but there are still ways. I mean, so in the casting process, I mean, sometimes you have an idea of what a role is going to be. Absolutely. And then somebody comes along and blows that out of the water. Has that happened to you? Absolutely. I mean, definitely working here at the studio, it's the, always the most interesting thing to find when the casting directors kind of come up with these out-of-the-box ideas and it gets swayed a little bit. Um, so sometimes we'll always put out a breakdown and we'll ask for a very specific type of person. And then sometimes, you know, with whatever's going on in the industry, people aren't available or certain things. And then a casting director will say, well, what about this person in this role? And, and maybe it'll be a little bit more like this and maybe you could write to this. And when people go, oh, that's a great idea, and it actually happens, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Um, Bialy Thomas are a great office that do that. They, right. they look at everyone, they think about everyone, and they really like think about it creatively on how they can um, make, just make the role just amazing. And it's really great. Yeah. It's really what? great. So let's go back to what I was saying initially about you being the gods of the industry. Because the, the process is that um, um, your agent, or if you're, if you're self-submitting, will see something for you that you will submit for, and then you get brought in by a casting director. Mm -hmm. How does that all happen? So basically, I mean, I work at the studio, so it's a little bit different. We're not actually bringing people in, but I have learned from freelance casting directors, and sometimes I do, you know, student films and things on the side, um, just just for fun. Um, but basically, when you get all those submissions, you get, you know, I mean, thousands of submissions on breakdowns, and you go through each picture and really look at, um, you know, who you think should be best to come in. I have to admit, when I do it. The first thing I do is I go through and I look for people I know. That's number one. Then I, you know, I have to admit I'll probably look for the people who have an agent and see who looks right. Then I'll always look at their resume and the things that pop out are obviously if you have credits first and foremost, but then um, where you've trained is huge to me. If it's a comedy, if you've done Groundlings or iOS or UCB, that's huge. If it's you know a, a, an intense drama or something, if you've gone to one of the great drama schools, that's really important to me. Um, you know, if you don't have a lot of credits. So I'll go to, so if you don't have a lot of credits, then I'll start to look at the training. Um, and then I will always go through all of the self-submit actors access ones. And just usually I'll go quicker through those, I must mm. admit. But if something pops out at me, um, that's when I'll, if someone looks like they are perfect for the role, that's when I'll, that's when I'll pick them. How many submissions are there on average I mean, if I do a, if I do a student film, it's probably about a thousand for for each role. If you're doing network television, it's, I mean, it can be like eight thousand for one role. So you're looking at eight thousand thumbnails of people's faces. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy. I was talking to my agent this morning about getting some more headshots because I've only got fifty-three up there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not that many. That's not a, no, no, that's not <laughs> enough. Um, and. That's one of the things now, that it's not enough for them to see this thumbnail of my representation of my face, mm -hmm. um, which we don't want it glamorous, we don't want it touched up, we know all of that. But if, if my photograph is of me smiling and cheerful and they're submitting me for a role as a judge, for example, mm -hmm. I should really have a photo that matches that, right? Absolutely. I have to admit, I tell people this all the time, 
Headshots for me aren't the biggest thing. I just, I think it's more important to go out and meet people. And like when they used to have the casting director workshops, I know there's a lot of controversy around that right now, but things like that where you're actually in the room meeting somebody, I think is way more productive than having 50 million headshots. Although, if you have an amazing headshot, that is going to do you well. So if you can, you know what I mean? Like if you can have an amazing headshot or if you can have all these different types and, and you get called in from that because all of those pictures pop, great. But there's a lot of people that are great actors that aren't very photogenic and so it, it, it bums me out that we put so much weight on headshots. I mean, they're, they're a picture of you. Yes. That's really all they should be. And that was one of the things that struck me when I first moved to Hollywood. Meeting the most extraordinarily beautiful people I think I've mm -hmm. ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I would do a, a short film or something and bring them on board and it didn't carry to the camera. Yeah. And and so they're, they're absolutely stunning, but you can't do anything yeah. with them. And some people are like, you don't think they're stunning and then you see them on camera and they are. Yeah. That's fascinating too. Sometimes even, you know, with tests, I'll tape here at the studio and I'll, I'll watch an actress and I'll be like, she's amazing just from being in the room with her. And then you watch it on screen and it's completely different. Right. Sometimes it's even different going from a computer screen to a big screen. Because we have different tests, so sometimes I'll watch it on my Mac if I'm editing or if I'm doing something and I'll watch it there and have like one person that I think is going to get the role. And then when I watch it in the room with everyone on the big screen, it's someone different. It's fascinating. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. So how is it different from the, the freelance uh, casting directors in the marketplace versus working at a studio? Sure. So basically, my boss oversees all of the casting of all of our shows, and each show has a freelance casting director. So the freelance casting director is the person in the trenches doing the day-to-day -day everything they're keeping track of the entire show they're keeping they're most of the time keeping track of their budget how much that how like how many guest stars they have how many co-stars they have they're um you know finding every single person from the series regulars to cop number three and that's their job so it's really their baby and that's why they can win awards for it because it's it's a casting director it's like a it's like a craft um the studio we're overseeing everything so it's a lot a lot of dealing with, for example, the budget, the studio budget and, and what's going on with that and, and trying to you know, attract great talent, but then dealing with how much each person is going to cost and things like that. Um, it's dealing with the relationships. My boss has amazing relationships with a lot of the agents to get you know, big name people on our, on our shows. So it's more, it's more de dealing with the bigger stuff rather than the smaller stuff, although we do approve every single speaking role on every one of our shows. Okay, so you so, have to be across it. Of every single one. Yeah. So you see a lot of tests. Oh, yeah. What do you prefer? Do you prefer the, the, the there's a new thing now for self-tests. So you, you shoot something in your own home and send it in or, or at one of the, one of the um, self-testing studios as opposed to bringing somebody into the room to audition. Do you have a preference? No. If it's good, it's good. Okay. That's what I keep telling people. And it's interesting because people get so caught up in, I have to have great sound and I have to have great lighting and all of this all of this stuff, and I have to admit to you, that helps, but the work is the number one thing. If it's good and it's on an iPhone, you're gonna get cast, it, 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 you just are. As long as, when they say good sound, it's really just as long as we can hear you. Okay. You know, just make sure we can't not hear you and you'll be fine, but I can tell you there have definitely been people who have gotten callbacks, producers, gone to producers from a iPhone self-tape okay. in a hotel room.
Let's talk good, about good. let's talk about good work then. What is <laughs> well, you know, what is good work? I mean, for us, it's really just when somebody, you know, makes a bold choice and goes through with it. Mm-hmm. I think someone that seems it's interesting because you can really tell when someone is nervous and you can really tell when someone doesn't seem like they're confident for whatever reason. And I think that just has a lot to do with it. You know, I, I have a lot of friends who are actors who I just I, I wish there was a way for them to almost practice auditioning every single day, which because when you get only one audition every once in a while, there's so much weight put on that audition. There's so much pressure. And so you go in and most of the time, I have to admit to you, my friends will say to me, I mean, I bombed it. Like, I did not do well. Mm. And then you're definitely not going to get the role. And it was probably just because you prepared almost too much and you're freaking out about it. You can't let it go. You have to just, in a way, you have to just almost not care. And I know that's really hard because actors care so much. Mm. But a lot of times the people who do the best are the people who have done this 50 million times. They're going to do it the way that they're going to do it. They know themselves. They know who they are as an artist. And they just come in and do what they're going to do and not and they don't care what we think yeah and I know that's so much easier said than done oh yeah but those are like it's funny we're sitting in the testing room that right now where we test people and there was this one actor who we have on a show who he came in every single time he tested he walked in he was like hello did his thing it was almost exactly the same every single time like not that it wasn't organic and good but it was very similar and then he would leave and it's funny because he actually didn't get the part that he went in for, but they ended up casting him in a different part because they loved him so much. Okay. So it's like sometimes you shouldn't freak out if you're like, I'm not exactly what they're looking for. Just be who you are or be your version of that character and something good will probably come of it. I had an audition a couple of weeks ago. In fact, it was here. Hmm. Um, and I walked in and I tripped over my bag. Oh, no. And it... It totally, it was everything. It mm-hmm. was it was that moment. It was all my, my preparation out the window, mm-hmm. right? And then I had a chat and a laugh to the casting director and her assistant, and it changed everything. I think of it course. was one of my best ever, and yep. all from f- being such a dag and falling over my bag. Yep. You can imagine how I felt at the time, though. Yeah. Because from the moment you park in the parking structure, and I should say, we're actually on the lot at Sony with an incredible history. It's the old Columbia. Mm-hmm. It's where Wizard of Oz was oh, shot. Um, some groundbreaking television, still amazing television and, and movies are filmed here. So there's a tremendous history. So as you're walking through the lot, there's all that. And I hate to say this, so I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> but there's that whole thing of, oh, goodness, I could be here. I could be here. I could be here. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't wind yourself up. Okay, okay. <laughs> like the self-talk that's going in your head, right? Right. Then you get in the room and you fall over your bag. Yeah. I should try that every time. Yeah. Mm. It helped. I mean, it's, I even think back to when I was auditioning for colleges, and I remember just the the atmosphere of the waiting room sometimes could sway you, which is terrible, and that's the mm. type of stuff they warn you about. But I remember one of the reasons I loved Emerson so much was because they had us, for some reason, when you were waiting to go in, you were sitting in chairs next to each other. like you. So you started talking to people. Oh, no. 
Well, no, that actually helped me. Oh, really? It helped me to just talk to people about, you know, just how's the weather, what's going on, and it made me relaxed and able to go in. Yeah. Which I know sometimes people psych you out to, and that's like a thing, but I actually liked speaking to people. I put my headphones on as soon as I go in. Yeah. And if they are scheduling based on appointment time as opposed to when you've turned up, mm. I will turn up just before I'm due. Mm. I fell into the trap of, I'm always 15 minutes early, and I fell into the trap of being 15 minutes early and then sitting there and seeing the three other people who were going for the role in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I can't seem to separate from that. Yeah. But I think that's interesting. As a trained actor, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. There is what we know about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then there are all of these things that come up about ourselves when you're acting and when you're thrown into these incredibly nervous kind of positions. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes you could be a completely different person. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's crazy. I mean, I remember I still to this day, if I go to an interview or something, I get like really like blotchy on my chest. I get like very like red. And sometimes like whenever I have a bad interview, it's always it's always when I don't feel comfortable and then I just start saying things that I don't even really mean and I walk out of there thinking, that wasn't even Amanda, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, and those are, that's when I know. I'm, I'm very intuitive in that way and I think that's probably why I was so obsessed with what people were thinking behind the table because I could usually tell in an audition and I can tell usually in an interview if I if I've gone to the next step or if I haven't, mm. you know I can I can generally tell. Dating not the same. <laughs> Dating I can never tell. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking. But yeah, usually with job stuff I can I can figure it out. I um, I was in uh, an audition at WME for for Voice the other day, and um, and I won't say who it was, but a, a, quite a well-known actor and I were talking about this whole notion. We'd both been on auditions that morning and then we were talking about it. And, uh, and I was still working out in my head who he was, mm -hmm. you know, because they don't walk around with a, a banner on their, on their chest. So. <laughs> And they don't? No. And the thing is, it's, it could be Brad Pitt, but if it doesn't look like Brad Pitt on the day, you think, gee, you look like Brad Pitt, but I'm not going to say anything in case you're not. And people are always confusing you with Brad Pitt. Do you mm -hmm. know where mm -hmm. I'm going? But we were talking about that notion of when you walk out of an audition room and you think you've done really well and you don't get it. And when you walk out of an audition room and you think you've done really badly and you do get it. Mm-hmm. That happens too. It's it's absolutely insane. It happens all the time. I don't know why. And and it's funny because I'm the type of person and you can ask anyone who's ever like heard me speak or gone to a master class of mine, like, I will tell you the truth for the most part. I will tell you exactly what I'm thinking and I will be the person. I tell my friends all the time, Hey, by the way, you did a great job, but they decided to go, you know, a different way with this person. They decided to put use a different ethnicity. They decided because I feel like Actors have the right to know, and the only reason that the only reason that I would ever not tell someone is because of time. If there's just not enough time, yeah. obviously you can't call every single actor and be like, "By the way, this is what happened. This is where we were in the puzzle," and blah blah blah. But I think if it's something simple like that, you need to. I try to tell the actor, or yeah. even if I say, you know, say, you, "At this moment, you just don't seem to be confident enough," or what you know, I, I try to. I'm never going to say you're terrible or something like that, but I can always kind of be honest about what's happening because I think you have the right to know. Yes. And in any other 
in any other job in the world, they generally tell you how you're doing. Well, you get KPIs and, right. and, and you get reports and yeah. uh, and it's ongoing. Yeah, so you know if um, you're we slipping. we grow up getting validation. You know, we're given mm -hmm. a mark or a grade and then we, we go to the next level and to the next level. And then you hit this thing called life mm -hmm. and there's no feedback. And it does make it difficult because you can fall into the trap of continuing to get better at your bad things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I, I uh, taught a master class at, at Elon University, and I loved those kids. But I kept telling them, you know, because up until that point, your entire life, there's different there's different check marks. It's like, okay, if I if I get a cert, if I get an A on this test, then I'll pass this class, then I'll be able to get to my SATs, then I'll pass the SATs, then I'll get into a great college, then I'll do this. Then even even each semester, it's like, then if I just get through finals, if I just get through the spring play, if I just do this, if I just do this, I'll finally get to where I want to be, and then you graduate and there's nothing no there's no more check marks at all absolutely except for maybe the holidays yeah that's like your one check mark where you can say everything's done so here's the thing there is something that has been repeated to me you know that I've been here for five years right and there's something that's been repeated to me since I arrived and and that is that it takes time and it's it's not necessarily the training and the getting better. It's the getting in front of people often enough that they know you. Mm -hmm. Is that right or is that just people being mm -hmm. nice? Well, I think it's also the fact that, you know, it's the people who, <laughs> it's the people who stick it out long enough as well. Because there, it's funny, casting directors will always talk about how if you put out a breakdown for a 20-year-old person, you are going to get a gazillion submissions. Every actor in town is 20. And then as you start to get to like the 30-year-olds and the 40-year-olds, it becomes less and less and less because less people have stuck it out that long. So right. it's, it's a lot of just kind of believing in yourself, sticking it out, and waking up every morning and believing that you are worthy of this, that you are you know, good enough or you love it enough that you are willing to sacrifice whatever you need to sacrifice to get it done. Yeah. And it's taking it day by day. Right. And I always tell actors, you have to... During every single day, no matter what, you have to do something to help your career. Even if that's just reading deadline so that you know what's happening in the industry that day. Because what happens is a lot of people come out here and of course you need money, that's number one. So they come out here and they start waiting tables or nannying or tutoring or walking dogs, whatever you need to do. And then that that consumes their life, and yes. that becomes their whole life. And but so, you know, by the time you're like, okay, well, let me just work that double shift because I really do need money. And okay, now I'm exhausted because I've just worked for 12 hours at a restaurant. So let me just go to sleep, you know. And then by Saturday, you're like, oh my god, let me just go out with my friends because I'm so just tired. And then r you start to realize, oh my gosh, a month's gone by, six months have gone by, and I've done nothing to help my career because I've just kind of been letting life happen to me mm. so mm. I think the biggest thing is every day you have to do at least something if it's you know looking for a manager or or even you know going to a show going mm. to a you know I.O. West I always tell people that place is amazing they have a bar you just go that you get the ticket for one show you can go the whole night and you can meet so many people and the worst thing that's going to happen is you go to a comedy show and you don't talk to anyone yes great then you saw a comedy show I must admit you know? I'm a I do stand up and, uh, and I also did UCB, mm -hmm. and that was so important to go on my resume when I first, when I, well, I, I mean, I, I imagine still, but it was raised yeah. a lot when I first arrived of, oh, wow, that's great. Oh, you do that? That's great. That's, um, mm -hmm. it, mixing in that improv comedy world 
seems to be very popular. Is that right? Or? Oh, yeah. Well, I think that those places, and another thing I tell actors is, it's a community. Mm. Those places have such a community, and Groundlings, and IOS, and Second City, and, and UCB. It, it's so much, it's yes, the training, but it's also meeting you those mean, people. Yes, and the training. Yes, and the or, training. Or, or, or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, or. Um, but yeah, those, those are the people you want to be friends with. And I always tell people, if you go to class, and there's that one person who seems to be amazing, and they are almost like obnoxiously amazing. They're, you're like, really? This is you're so great, and like you don't even seem like you're trying. I say that's the person you want to be your friend. That's the person you want to be your writing partner. You have to go and kind of look at it from a, a perspective of I want to surround myself with the type of people that are going to be successful. Like I have a I have one friend that she's a writer or she's an actress, excuse me, and she like kind of wants to write but doesn't know what to do. She's been taking Groundlings. And, I, and she's one of those people that she walks into a room and everyone loves her. Right. Everyone wants to talk to her. So I said, you have to use that. Mm -hmm. Use that. Walk up to people who you think are great writers and see if they want to work with you. Probably they're going to mm -hmm. because you're the type of person that people want to hang out with. So, you know, she's very social. She goes to, you know, I always see her at parties and stuff. I'm like, that. so take what you're good at, even if it's going to parties, and use that for your, for your, for your career. So I think it's, it, you have to kind of figure out who you are. What a matchup! And what a team, Mike! Metro PCS and the iPhone SE for $0 on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive. Play with the best. Switch to Metro PCS and get a 32-gig iPhone SE for $0. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on our T-Mobile network or active on Metro PCS in the past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. This is Take Fountain with Ella James. Working out who you are, finding your uniqueness, and not trying to be what you're not. Mm -hmm. So, if you if you look like a rock chick, if you're funky, um, even using the words funky and cool, I can't pull off anymore. <laughs> you, know, you get past a certain age where you can pull them off. But you know, you've got a few tattoos and. If you cover those up and try to get a commercial as a housewife, it's not going to wash, is it? Mm -mm. You've got to be that authentic version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unless there is a part of you. I mean, it's, it, it's really finding yourself and knowing who you are because if there's a part of you that can, you know, put on the blazer and, and become a housewife, great, do it. But it's like you know, you know if you can pull it off or if you can't. And don't let someone tell you what to do because so many people, you know, will say, Go get the picture of you as, you know, these three looks. Yeah. And if those aren't working for you, you have to be in control of your own career. Right. You have to. Because so many people will tell you different things. I tell everyone when they ask me, I think I'm, I'm thinking about leaving my manager. Or I'm thinking about, you know, going to a different agency. And I say the first thing they're going to say wherever you go is get new headshots. That's right. Because everyone has an opinion about your headshots. And that's the one like physical piece of the puzzle that they can say this needs work and so then they it's it's like it's crazy that's all they'll say is get new headshots so it's like changing your manager will always be a five hundred dollar you know bank thing it's, it's, it's always going to be a charge well it's it's that plus because it's it's changing them over on mm -hmm. all the websites actors mm -hmm. access casting frontier la casting yeah right um it's the same kind of thing um okay reels Mm -hmm. Do you do you look at people's reels? Mm -hmm. Okay, always. I just watched a reel this morning. I and watch them all the time. Do you watch all of them or the first bit? 
I watch, I mean, it's so great nowadays because you kind of can, especially like Vimeos, you, you can see where the scene breaks. Okay. So sometimes I'll watch the first scene. If, if I have, don't see what I'm looking for in there, I'll, I'll kind of click to each scene. Um, but it's very rare that I'll actually, if you know, if you have a seven-minute reel, it's very rare that I'll sit and watch the full seven minutes just because there's not enough time. Yeah. But I will try to go through each scene. Well, we're and told see now one-minute one reels, so yeah. one-minute comedy, one-minute drama. That's what we should have up. I mean, it's true. Yeah. I mean, and that's time. the thing people don't want to hear. But I, like I said, I'm very honest. It is very much you know in the first ten seconds. Okay. Usually, if if they have what you're looking for. How important is a website? I think it's relatively important just because you can put all of your materials in one place. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend a million dollars on it. I would, if, there, if there's a way, you know, actors are so creative and they have these communities of really cool, fun people. So it's like generally a lot of times I say, find someone you know that knows how to do web design. See if there's something you could trade with them or, you know, it's, or even with headshots. You know, if there's, if you have a friend that's a photographer, you See if they'll do like a free shot or like or a free shoot, and you know if the pictures are terrible, they're terrible. You mm. don't use them. Yes. But I think in the world of nowadays, where we have Instagram and we have Snapchat and we are constantly seeing ourselves, yes. we know what angles are good and we know what looks good. Yes. So it's a lot of times, you know, you have to do all this stuff. But I don't think that people need to be spending the ridiculous amount of money. That, do you think that, that will change can. in the industry? spending all the money on headshots yeah I kind of do yeah because it's so I mean there are so many times I'll meet an actor and I'll look at their headshot and they'll I'll say this looks like you went to the mall and got all glammed up and took yeah. a photo I said give me your phone show me your Instagram and I look at their Instagram and I'm like this is a better picture of you with your friends or you know even I mean selfies are different because that's like looking I from the other awful. side yeah. yes selfies are different but sometimes it's just like people know especially younger people, they know what looks good because that's what they're posting. They, it's like, it's like I say to them, I'm like, would you post this headshot? <laughs> you know, that's how you kind of have to think about it because it's just, it's, it, it was a business that was booming like for a while, you know, headshots, 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 but I think now people can find, can find ways to use other photos. Yeah. I really do. I, uh, I got a late call on something and I actually sat down with my MacBook and opened it up and went to photo booth mm -hmm. and just took a couple of chest up shots to submit and my agent said they were just this they were just the right side of hokey okay mm -hmm. they, so they were they were okay but you know what I mean mm -hmm. but that, that's the thing I often think uh, do casting directors have that foresight or do they need to have it in front of them do you need to how much how much should I because I always feel like I'm taking away your intuition or your skill by trying to create this exact image of myself. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think every casting director is different. Okay. There really are, I mean, the great thing about how there's a bunch of freelance casting directors is that they can be so different. They're not they're not all the same. There's some casting directors that have been doing this for 40 years. There's some casting directors that, you know, have just started and they're working on, you know, like small digital stuff and they, you know, they're way more into social media and things like that. So I, I think that it just depends. It yeah. really just depends. I almost want to say don't think about it so much. Okay. Because there's no point. Finally, magic stories. Let's mm. talk about the magic stories. Have you been in a position where 
you've made somebody's day, week, month, life mm -hmm. with a decision that you've been a part of? I mean, at the studio, I'm still pretty low on the totem pole. I mean, I've seen my boss do that, yeah. which is exciting and gives me motivation for the future. Um, as far as in my in my own personal, I mean, I've, I've definitely been able to, I mean, my first film I ever worked on, we casted this little boy and he was adorable. He, he actually drove up from San Diego with his parents and he was the last kid on of the day. And he was just, I mean, he was so cute. He came in and he had like all these props and of course never bring props never to an audition. Bring, but when you're, when you're seven, it's a little different. <laughs> he, brought, he brought these props and he just did a delightful job and he was just the sweetest kid. And I was, I was like, we have to call him and tell him he got the part. And he was like jumping up for joy and crying and he was so happy. And his, his parents were like, oh, you guys are gonna pay for us to live here for three weeks, right? Cause it was, it was a feature film and he right. was the lead. Um, but yeah, that was probably, that was really exciting. Yeah. That was exciting. And that's when I was kind of like, all right, I wanna, I wanna do this. I think, I think right now, you know, it's, it's knowing that one day I'll be able to do that. And I think also I love just being able to give people real advice. And like, I'm always the person that if you, you know, ask me to coffee, I'll, unless I'm busy, I'll generally go. And I love to just tell people how it is because maybe it's just because I used to be an actress, but I just really think like, you need to know what's going on and you need to have someone give it to you straight and not, you know, not not be mean, but give you constructive criticism from a kind place. Yeah. You know, I always tell people, I say, even in my workshops, I say, you know, <laughs> like, do you, do you, you know, do you want this? And they'll be like, they'll be like, yes. I'm like, well, then show me that. You know, I'm not trying to bring you down to bring you down and make you cry tomorrow. I'm not trying to be mean, but if you want this, you have to show at least some type of passion or something. And like, I've had many actors come back to me and go, that really helped me so much. Right. Just, just being excited about it again. You know, like you have to, you know, in, in the same respect to every single day, you have to do something for your career. You have to also have to do something to remind yourself why you love it. Yeah. Or else you're gonna, you know, you're gonna die. And also, just wanna say, if you ever feel like it's not bringing you the joy that it is anymore, or that you feel burnt out, there's nothing wrong with taking a break, taking a few years off. I think that if you're an actor, you're an actor, it's in your blood. Yeah. It's almost, you know, people always say, if you can do anything else, do it. But I almost feel like if you try to do something else and you can't because it keeps bringing you back, that's when you know. Mm. You know, it's, it's almost like, let me see if I can do something else. And then if, if theater or, or movies or film or acting really is in you, it's not gonna let you go. Yeah, I, I think that's that. the thing. It's to me um, because I came to it late, as you know. Mm -hmm. But it was that camaraderie of working with a team of people where everybody had a job to do, mm -hmm. as opposed to where everybody has a job to do and you're all trying to show that you can do it better. Mm. On an acting set, that isn't what it is. That was part of it, and also that I was breathing for the first time in my life. That's how it felt. Wow. It That's was, unbelievable. It was, it, it, I'll never forget, the, the, I stood there on this set and I just went, oh, so that's what it is. And it's I've magic. been good at stuff before. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, don't get me wrong, it's not the reaction of others. Yeah. It's not the applause, it's the same with the comedy. I don't do it for the, um, for the clap, clap, clap. Mm -hmm. um, there's something that happens 
when you're doing it and you just, it sounds a bit darling, darling, but when mm. you're giving something or I don't know, but it's, it's that magic. Yeah. And I often think, am I totally mad? And yeah. should I just give it all away? Is this just crazy? And my late aunt used to suggest that I started Miss James School of Etiquette, uh, Deportment and Development for young girls. <laughs> and I, I had visions of me wafting around in an old Japanese kimono with a long cigarette holder with nothing in it. You know, saying, girls, books on heads, books on heads. I don't know. Um, but you, I, no, I can't. Yeah, you know. It's either this or... Nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's, I mean, I think it's other careers as well. I don't think that we should say that this is the hardest career. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there are a lot of people who are going to be listening to this. They've been looking forward because I've been saying to, to people, I've, I've got this fabulous casting director coming along, um, to hear your, your side of things. Because this is an industry that's built on hope. Mm. And it seems to me, and I'd love to know your thoughts, but there is, there is the training, the headshots, the reels, the ongoing training. You know, I do an audition class, I do a comedy class, I do a writing class, all of these things, as you say, something every day mm -hmm. that reminds me of, of what I'm doing, otherwise why would I be doing it? Mm -hmm. You've got all of the business sides of things, headshots, reels, and, and training, you've got to have that in. And then that's the business side. Then the show side is the actual performance. But then hidden in between that plus that equals success is the magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think it's also an industry built on dreams. And I think it's an industry built on, you know, people who generally were, you know, a little different in, in school and were not normal. I think that I love this industry because it's a lot of people who are different and unique and no one, it's almost cool here to not be cool in a weird way. Everyone's got something different going on. Um, so I, I do, I think, there's, I think there's a bit of magic, but I think that at the end of the day, you have to really look at it and say, all right, when I am just taking class and I'm not getting auditions and I am doing my day job and what, you know, those kind of things, am I, do I still love it? Am I still, do I still feel that magic? Mm. And if you do, then keep going for it. Mm. And once you don't, once the spark is out, don't ever feel, you know, don't ever feel like you're giving up. I think it's, I think it's healthy to, you know, go to a different chapter in your life. Maybe there's something you need to work on or figure out. Um, and I, I really do believe that if you really, if it's meant to be and if you really want it, mm. it won't, it won't let you go. Because you'll miss that magic. So finally, what's your dream? Hmm. <laughs> I would love to be a casting executive. What my boss does is absolutely brilliant. And I just think that she um, is one of the most powerful, well, I'm not, I'm not like powerful, but she just, she, the things that she is able to do and the relationships that she has and, and, the, and the relationship she has with actors is just um, unbelievable to me. So, and she gets to see a lot of theater, which is my dream. Right. I, I would love to have a job where you get to go and see theater and find people and build relationships with people and get them to be in your projects and collaborate and um, and create great great content. And so I think that from what I can see in the landscape of, of studio life and, and everything, that's um, that's that's what I would want to do. I mean, obviously the ultimate dream would be to be able to work in some capacity on whatever I wanted to and not have to 
worry about money or anything and just be able to work on and be a part of what projects I want to be a part of. Right. That's it's interesting goal. that you say that she gets to go and see a lot of theatre. Is theatre still driving a lot of this? Because, I mean, surely not in L.A. going to the theatre mm -hmm. and finding new talent. She would be flying to New York. To New York, but she okay. also goes to a lot of theatre in L.A. She goes to the Geffen. She goes to Center, the Center Theatre Group, the Kurt Douglas. Um, but it is. It's also New York as well. Okay. And there are a lot of people. I mean, we did a pilot this year that has at least three or four Broadway actors in it. Okay. And we had Norbert Leo Butts on Bloodline, which was amazing, and he was amazing. So we, we do, theater is very important to us okay. here at Sony. Yeah. I don't know if it is, for, like I said, there's, every casting director is different. It's different. But for, from the people that I've learned from, um, I was at a, an agency before this, and the, every boss that I've had and every mentor I've had has always been really into theater and great training and great actors. Yeah, so the theater is the training thing, isn't it? That mm -hmm. is, is, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Generally, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because if somebody, so, okay, so here's the thing. Is it because if somebody is in film and television as, as an actor, that really all they need is a headshot and a reel mm -hmm. and to stick themselves up on a site? Mm -hmm. But for somebody to actually be on a stage at a recognized theater company, they've got to have chops. You have to. Because you're doing it eight days a week and you can't stop. You can't hit cut. You can't, you have to be able to do an entire two hour play yeah. without messing up. But the great thing about New York too is that in New York you can go to an open call. So you could have no credits or anything and you could just go and if you're amazing, you're amazing. I mean, does that happen? Probably not very often, mm. but you do have that chance. They don't, do don't have blow those. My dreams. I love to hear of things like that. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. I mean, I mean, yes, it's hard. I mean, you'll go to a open call for an equity show and they will not bring in any non-union, you know, because you're non-union when if you have no credits. Um, they will bring in no non-union people. It'll just be all equity people. And so mm. you might sit there for eight hours and not get in. Or you may get in. So it's in New York, they do at least give you a chance. I think in L.A. it's a little bit harder because if you don't have an appointment time, you don't have an appointment time. There's yeah. not a lot of open calls unless they're searching for something. Would you, would you have liked to work in the old days of casting with someone like, um, did you see the documentary Casting By? Of course. Okay, so somebody like Marion. Of course, Dorothy. of okay. course. Mm. Well, and what I loved about that documentary, it was talking about how you build a relationship with a director or a writer and you are their right-hand man, you're the right-hand person, and so you're the person that's kind of whispering their ear like, this would be really cool or this would be great. And that just shows how creative casting can be. And like I was saying about some of our offices, when they are, they do get to know the producers so well that the producers really trust them yeah. and trust their opinion and trust... Um, you know, if they have an out-of-the-box idea, they kind of go, okay, maybe, maybe this could work. And sometimes that really, that really helps and that really can make or break a show, yes. which is fascinating. So, I don't know, yeah, of course I would love to work back in those days, Yeah, I think. Well, I can't wait to see you zoom ahead. <laughs> we'll see. One so day. Fun. One day. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. It was great. Absolutely wonderful. Amanda Richards, have a lovely day. Thank you. You've been listening to Take Fountain with Ella James. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. From Audio Boom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies.
Americans, soldiers, and top-secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.